So, all right. So, has anyone had a busy week? <laughs> busy month? Busy, busy year? Quite probably. Um, look, it's it's so easy, isn't it, in the midst of the busyness, just to forget. Um, really what the reason for the season is. And we're going to look at one of those reasons for the season today. We're going to look at one of God's great gifts to us, which is joy. And uh, we've talked about peace. We've talked about hope. We've talked about joy. There is a uh, traditional Advent calendar, and, uh, but we've kind of done them all wrong. So, um, but that's kind of... Have you heard about organized religion? Well, we're here we're kind of disorganized religion. So uh, if you... <laughs> But we've got a few of them going, so uh, joy. So we're going to look at joy. So joy is such a cool word. I'll tell you a couple of things about joy. My, um, my mum's name is Joy. My, it's, 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 that's true. My mother's name is Joy, and uh, my granddad decided that he wanted to call her Joy. My grandma wanted to call her Lois, and um, so her name is Joy Lois Lily, but everyone calls her Lois. <laughs> <laughs> so grandma won that one. Um, my, one of my daughters, uh, well, my youngest daughter, um, Kate, her middle name is Joy, and Kate means pure, so her name is Pure Joy Lily, and she, that was lovely, <laughs> and uh, she lives up to that most of the time, she's, she's a great, great young lady. So joy is a, a cool thing, and uh, we're saying joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And I just love that song. But I have to say that I find some of the Christmas carols a little bit, like, a little bit tricky. <laughs> like, um, like imagine, imagine this. Like, one of our worship leaders here, they come and said, Matt, I've written a worship song for Christmas. Oh, that's awesome. I said, tell me about it. I said, well, it starts off like this. Ding dong. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Like, ding dong, merrily on high. Ding dong, merrily on high. In heaven, the bells are ringing. I'm going, okay. Keep going. Okay. Then it goes, ding dong. Verily, the sky is riven with angels singing. It's like, if anyone afterwards could help me, like, with what verily and riven mean, that would be appreciated. But then... And then it goes into this bit where I'm just, you know, this is, you might have recognized the song. Like maybe someone said this to their pastor one day, I've written this song. But then, because it, it goes into what could possibly be the longest sung syllable in the history of singing. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I mean. We're going to have a little listen to it. This is, this is the song. joy to the world. <laughs> I love that one. There's just that one there. I'm like, uh, and 
Gloria, Hosanna and Excelsis means uh, glory to God in the highest. I looked that one up, so I could tell you. So, But joy to the world. The Lord has come. You know, the wonders of his love. Joy to the world. I love it. Joy is mentioned eight times in the Christmas story. Joy is a big part of it. And uh, so... Like, so what is, what is joy? And, I mean, the dictionaries are funny. Like, some of them say it's the same as happiness. And, and other people say, no, joy is different than happiness. But, but the joy that's talked about in the Bible is, is something quite deeper and, and different than just, just happiness. It's, it's tied in to this assurance that God has everything in his hands and that he's in control and he's in control of every detail of my life. It's a confidence that uh, joy flows out of this confidence of knowing that in God, everything's going to be okay. Joy is like, it's like a gift from the Holy Spirit that just resonates in our heart. This is, the, this is what the Bible, uh, how the Bible talks about joy. And joy, it can be a response to the, to the felt presence of God and, and just, just this thinking and remembering and knowing about God's love for me and the goodness of God. And, um, it's so much more than just happiness. So wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be amazing if, if everyone on the Hibiscus Coast was just filled with joy? Wouldn't it be amazing? And, um, but the reality is, is that it's, it's not the case. Because there are, there's a lot of things out there in the world and our lives that, that conspire against it, that they, 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 they rob our joy if we, if we let them. And um, we're just going to look at a couple of things this morning that I hope will be helpful to you. I know will be helpful. Some of you will go like, you'll hear them, you go like, yep, I know that, and it, they, those are good things to hear again. Um, but we're just going to learn about these and learn at, at how we can restore joy if it's been robbed in these couple of areas. And we're just gonna learn from a couple of people in the Christmas story. And we can find that we can make choices that will help to restore joy in our life. Sound all right? All right. But I'd love to pray. Just invite the, the presence of God here. So, God, we just thank you for this season. God, we thank you for the gift of a savior. We thank you that today, the other side of the world, 2,000 years apart from the birth of Jesus, we can know the Savior. We can celebrate the Savior is born, not just, not just celebrate the birth of a historical figure, but celebrate the birth of the Son of God that is alive today, active in the world with, with deep, deep love for us, changing lives, forgiving sins, restoring hope and giving joy. So we do, we just welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And speak to us, God. Speak what you would want us to hear. Give us open hearts to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so one thing that... Um, that can steal our joy is uh, worry. Make sense? Worry. Worry, we can get anxious about stuff, we get stressed. 
and get a, you know, fearful. Often um, you worry because you're afraid something's going to happen. And so this whole thing of fear and worry, anxiety and stress, it's, you know, it's all part of this, this package. And it's like you know, fear can come in the front door and joy just, just disappears out the back door. Have you ever not felt that, experienced that? Uh, so when we look at the Christmas story, we don't often think about how much stress Mary was under. Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. She was probably about 15 years old, maybe 14, maybe 13. Got engaged early in those days. She was engaged and she gets pregnant without having sex. The virgin birth, pregnant by a miracle from the Holy Spirit. So, so young, single, pregnant. And it wouldn't really matter how much you talked about, well, but this was this. There'd be people would be like making judgments, jumping to conclusions, making assumptions. Possibly a little bit of shame because like no one's believing her, how this all happened. She's got boyfriend challenges, fiance challenges, probably parent challenges. Uh, and probably gossip challenges in a small town. That's stressful. And then there's the census that gets ordered at that time. And uh, it's just a few days before she's ready to give birth. They say, right, everyone in the whole nation of Israel, what you've got to do is you've got to head to the birth, uh, your, your town of your family. And we're going to count everyone up. So Joseph was originally from Nazareth, uh, sorry, from Bethlehem, but he's living in Nazareth. So Nazareth's up in the north of Israel. Bethlehem's just outside of Jerusalem. It's about 160 kilometers. So Mary, very, very pregnant, and Joseph are heading down to, to Bethlehem. So have we got any parents here? Any parents? Okay, so... Just remember, first child, and how does this sound? Let's put you, mums, let's put you on a donkey. And 160Ks, probably about five days, 30 to 40 hours on a donkey. How's that sound? Husbands, how does it sound having your wife? <laughs> And then they get to town. I'm like, you've, you know the story. They, they get to Bethlehem, possibly because the word took a long time to get up to the north. Hey, everyone has to, you know, and then because they're slower maybe than everyone else. So they're late into Bethlehem, and they're looking for somewhere to stay, and the word is there's nowhere to stay. But like, I'm thinking, like, what is wrong with people in Bethlehem? Like... Like, this is Joseph's family town. Like, there's cousins and relatives, and he's arrived with his probably 14, 15-year-old pregnant fiancée, and, like, everyone's going, can't have my bed. Hey, Joseph, good to see you, mate, but, like, um, can't have my bed. I'm like, what's wrong with people from Bethlehem? You, that wouldn't be like that on the coast, eh? We'd be like, yeah, you could have my bed. Like, I'll sleep on the couch. Like, you know, like, what? 
And finally, someone says, well, there's a bit of room out the back. It's probably a cave. I've been to Bethlehem, and, they, and it's full of caves. And what, the way that they did their houses there, they started with the cave, and then they built the house out kind of on top and in front. So kind of like you get this bonus extra room in the cave, and then you build your... And so that's when they put the animals there in, in the winter time. So this guy says, very kindly, he says, there's a bit of floor out in the cave in the, in the back, but, you know, quite possibly that's where the animals are, where they shooed them out, and but uh, stress, stress. Fifteen years old, away with her fiancé, Joseph, to Josephstown, to her family's back in Nazareth. Fifteen years old, and she goes into labor. Mum's not around. Aunties aren't around. Those nasty Bethlehem people aren't probably not much help. They wouldn't even give her a bed. Maybe no midwife. She may have delivered this baby on her own. Dirt and cords and, you know, mess and stress. And what does Mary do with this stress? Oh, there's another thing. She's got another thing. The stress. It's like, I mean, it's, it's starting to add up, eh? Just think, skills like 15 years old. I'm saying 15, may have been younger. 15 years old, dealing with all this. And then there's the stress of this angel. And the first, it was, it was the first thing the angel says when, when the angel arrives. Be not afraid. Don't be frightened. Why? Because angels are scary. So she's having, it's like it's just happening across the board. Don't be afraid. I'm a big scary angel. <laughs> ah, don't be afraid. <laughs> Stress. Being told that you're going to be pregnant, but you're, you're not, you know, without having sex. And, you're going to be told that um, the child's going to be the son of God. You know, what does Mary do with all of this? This, this worry, this, this fear, the stress. Here's what she did, and here's what we need to do. If we want, if worry is stealing our joy, here's what we need to do. We need to do what Mary does, and she's, she chooses to trust God. She chooses to trust God. Listen to this. This is, this is out, of the, uh, out of the story uh, in Luke chapter 1. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled. You often sort of think it's Mary, she's just skipping along, it's all fine. You know, but she's a real person with real emotions, deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. The angel's saying that when you're afraid, trust God. Carries on. 
you will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. And he will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. And Mary says, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The, the barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. I mean, this is so much for a young girl. So much for a young girl, frightened by just seeing this angel and then gets told she's going to become pregnant without having sex and have a baby that is the son of God. Wow. Here's a question for you this morning. You know, what are you worrying about? What are you worrying about in this Christmas season? What are you worrying about? What keeps you up at night? I went to the doctors just this last week. Um, maybe it was the week before. And uh, stuck a camera down my throat and had a look around at my abdomen and my stomach and everything. Just a tube. It wasn't like a camera. Just a, just a video thing. And, um, and just to see if everything was all right. And everything is all right. But... Before you know that everything's all right, you just have these little things in the back of your mind. Like, wonder if everything, wonder if everything is all right. It's kind of weird. I met this this um, this surgeon guy that does the procedure. I've never met him before in my life. And he said, oh, "What do you do for a job?" I'm, you know, pastor of a church. I'd what church? Oh, Coast Vineyard and church. And he goes, "Like, oh, how's Stanley Ross going?" I'm like, <laughs> "That was weird." Um, Doctors know lots of stuff. <laughs> but what are you worrying about? Is it uh, what makes you anxious? Is it is it finances? Is it a particular relationship? Is it your kids? Is it your job? And what are you what are you worrying about? Because the antidote for your worry, it's the same for all of us, is that. We have to do what Mary did. We have to trust God. We have to give everything to God. Put it in his hands. This is what Mary did. This is Mary's response. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I, will ex I accept whatever he has for me. Isn't that unbelievable? 15 years old. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. I mean, that's an incredibly mature response, isn't it? For a, for a young girl. Have you ever said that to God? Whatever you have for me. I accept whatever you have for me. It's a great prayer. And if you're finding that joy's a little elusive, somehow it's slipped out the back door, 
I would encourage you to grab a hold of this prayer for your, your circumstances, your situation that you're finding yourself worrying about is just to come to God and say, God, I accept whatever that you have for me. Trusting in God. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to trust you with this. And, and that, if you can do that, and I know it's easy to say, can be a lot harder to do, but if you can actually hand it over to God and say, God, I trust you with this. It leads to joy. And this is what Mary found. This is Mary, it's recorded in, in Luke that after this whole uh, event happened with the angel, she went away and she wrote a song. And it's, um, it's in the book of Luke. And there's a line in the song and it says this, my spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. Joy. And I experience this. I, I experience this. I find that in times when I am, I realize I'm, I'm stewing over something, worrying over it, I stop and I go, I need to give this over to God. And I'll go for a walk or I'll um, get some space. And, and I find that as I hand it over to God, it's like the worry goes back out the front door and joy comes back in, in, the, back, in the back door. It's, it's real. It's like it's something that, that somehow comes from outside of me and is now within me. I find that um, when my alarm goes off at 9.45 a.m. on a Wednesday night, reminding me to put the rubbish out, and uh, I, I, it's my, one of my little God times. Get the wheelie bin and walk out, and I'm just looking at the stars, and it's just another time when I just thank God for the day, thank God for, you know, for for life and breath, give over worries to God. I often stand up out by the letterbox on the wheelie bin. And, um, and in those moments, I find this transaction takes place and joy comes into my heart. So, so if there may be something you might want to do, come out and join me at 9.45 on a Wednesday night. We can stand by the wheelie bin together and we can pray about our worries and, and expect to experience the joy of God, but whatever it works for you, it's like, this is not just an idea. This is real. There is a genuine transaction that will take place as we bring our worries to God. The second thing that can sometimes kick in into, into life, and again, it's another robber of joy, is resentment. Resentment. You can't have joy and resentment together. And I, like, the thing is, is that we've all been we've all been hurt by by people, and you know we we hurt each other. We don't mean to, and you know we uh, and some some of us here, some of us here have been really hurt, like really hurt, like emotionally. Physically, sexually, and I, like really, and it's—I'm—I'm 
I'm just so sorry that, you know, if that's part of your journey, like really, that's, that's a, a difficult, difficult, difficult thing. Even just saying that, it's like it's, it's almost like no words to say. That's a big, big, big thing. It's so, so hard. You know, some of you have been, I don't know, like offended, deeply offended, betrayed, maybe, you know, just, just hurt comes. And, but again, can I say this to you, is that resentment will steal your joy if you let it, if you let it. If you let that hurt turn to resentment, it will steal your joy. We have to deal with that hurt. And it's like, like some people carry around bitterness and resentment their whole life. And uh, decades and decades and decades. And you meet them in their old age and they've got, a, they've got, you know, they've got a grumpy face, like really. And they die with grumpy face. And it's just, it's just sad. Let's have a look again at, uh, at Joseph and Mary. So let's look at Joseph. And again, how would you feel if the one that you are looking forward to being your wife for the rest of your life and you haven't had sex together yet and she tells you she's pregnant? I mean, you'd feel, you'd feel betrayed. You'd feel brokenhearted. But Joseph, he doesn't get bitter or resentful. Like, he's, he's, good. he's a good dude. Like, really, he's a good guy. Because, like, you read the story, and isn't it interesting how, like, like God chose to not tell Mary and Joseph about the whole thing at the same time? Like she tells Mary and then doesn't tell Joseph at the same time. So then Mary's got to talk to Joseph and Joseph's, basically Joseph's going through a trial. And, uh, and he went through the trial well. And trials can be like that. They can make you better or they can make you bitter depending on how you engage with them. Any, any trial is an opportunity to become a better person, but you have to go through it well. Does that make sense? You have to go through it well. Let's read Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was legally betrothed to be married to Joseph, so engaged, but while she was still a virgin and they had not come together, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph was a godly man who always did what was right. And he did not want to shame Mary or expose her to public disgrace. So he planned to quietly call off the wedding. So he wanted to do good. You know, he probably thought like, oh, she, she doesn't love me. She loves another person. She loves someone else. She's, she's not the person that I, I thought she was. I can't marry her. She doesn't love me. 
but he wants to do the best he can with it. He wants to look after her. He wants to, you know, he, he says that he doesn't want to shame her. He wants to, doesn't want to see her publicly disgraced. He wants to look after her. It's quite a beautiful picture, isn't it? Um, he's wanting to be, he's not yelling at her. He's not wanting to, like, pay her back and, like, oh, you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. He's kind to her. It's just this beautiful picture of grace. Another hard question for you. Who has hurt you? And you'll know. It'll come, it'll come straight to you. You'll, you'll know. And are you still hanging on to that? Are you hanging on to it? Because if you are, it will be robbing you of your joy. It'll be robbing you of your joy. It'll make you miserable. Resentment is so useless. Resentment and bitterness, it's like, they say it's like, it's like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's just useless. You, know, you get grumpy at the, you know, you remember this thing that they did and you get grumpy at them and you're like, oh, you know, just, yeah. And they're just off, you know, at the movies, watching Star Wars, a big bag of popcorn, hanging out with their friends. They're not thinking about you at all. It's resentment is so, such a waste of energy and everything. So, like, as your pastor, I care about you. I want you to have a great life. And I want you to grab a hold of this thing. And this is why, you know, this is why we get up here on Sundays and we teach and we encourage and we call you forward into, into good things. And this is another one of those things. I'm calling you forward. Like, like if you've got hurts that you're hanging on to, let it go. Let it go. I know it's hard. I know, I know you were wronged. I know these are... These are these are like this so unfair, so out of order. But people can't hurt you without your permission. They only hurt you if you if around this whole thing of you know that you're something that you're bitter about. Once it's happened. You've got to let it go. And maybe you know, there's a lot of people away this Sunday, but, um, but you're here. And maybe you're here to hear this. Maybe this is why you know, you're here this morning, is to hear this. Let it go. Let it go. And you might go like, Matt, I've, this thing is just, I just can't. It's just too big a deal. And you can. And if, you, if you've been trying and you can't, could I encourage you to just ask God for help? My experience in my own life and in the lives of others is that as they invite God to help them, eventually they get there. It may not happen tomorrow or the next day, but as they, they stand in this place of going, God, I want to let this go. Help me to let this go. Give me the strength to let this go. Get me to a place where I can genuinely forgive. It will happen. And 
joy, you will know joy that has been robbed. And God eventually tells, tells Joseph the story, how it all, how it all happened. And uh, it's almost like when he'd passed the character test, then the blessing comes. Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered this, you know, thinking about all of this stuff about how do I look after Mary? How, I, how do I get out of this marriage but look after Mary so well? After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. One last little thing out of the Christmas story that's helpful for us in our journey uh, of finding joy and being people of joy is that there's a little lesson that we can learn from the wise men. They call them the, the magi, the, the wise men. They were possibly, maybe they might, people say they were possibly astrologers because they, well, they saw a star in the sky. But if you saw a very bright star in the sky, you'd probably see it whether you're an astrologer or not. But anyway, these guys knew stuff and they were, when they saw the star, they knew enough to know that there was a prophecy, an ancient prophecy that said that there would be a savior that would be born. And they'd, they'd figured out that this star in the sky was that. And, uh, but they didn't know who, they didn't know how, they didn't know where. But here's what they did do. They chose to seek God. They went looking for God. It says they're from the east. So when you look at Israel, uh, Persia was east. India was east. China was east. We don't know how far east they were, but they weren't, they were east. They, they had to travel. They had to travel. And, and they wanted so much to know God and to find God that they, I don't know how many there were, but they got up and went and thought, we're gonna, we want to find this. So they're, whatever they're doing, they're leaving family, they're leaving jobs, uh, whatever they've got to take provisions. There's, they, these guys were seriously seeking God. And even though they didn't have all the answers, Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They were seeking God. And like you may be here this morning seeking God. And uh, I, love, I love that. If, you're, if, you're, if faith's not part of your, your life or your, you know, but you're seeking God, can I just say this is a great place to come and seek God. And you're so welcome here, and you know you can take as long as you want, and in your in your seeking journey, and ask as questions, many questions as you like. And I just ask that you come with an open heart, come with an open heart, and uh, and I'm confident that as you seek God, you will find you will find Him. A lot of people don't even make the effort to seek God. So if you're here this morning seeking God, you're doing a lot better than a lot of people. 
And, uh, but these wise men, this was like next level, wasn't it? Like just time and effort and money to, to, to get there. And um, didn't really know how it was all going to work. Um, but they just started on the journey anyway, didn't they? They just, they just said, we're just going to go after this. Matthew 2, verse 9. And so they left. So they got to Jerusalem. So they left and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they'd seen in the east reappeared and amazed. They watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. So maybe it wasn't a star by that stage. Maybe it was a star in the first place. Some people say it was Halley's Comet, but I don't know, maybe not. But like at that bit there, it's like something supernatural was happening, glowy thing, you know, moving around. Um, and it stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Is that the right word? So they've, I think it's supposed to say when they saw Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> I'm all confused. <laughs> Someone needs to read that, get that on their phone. Do you want to do that, Stanley? Tell me. If, I think it's when they saw Jesus, they were ecstatic and they shouted. That uh, is the star? Okay. But they're there, they find the place. Anyway, the story goes and they find the place where Jesus is and they celebrate unrestrained joy. And that's the thing that we can get from the, from the wise men is that when you seek God, it leads to joy. Like if you seek him, and if you persevere in seeking him, you will find joy. If you, if somehow in your life you think, like, I've heard about this joy thing. Like, I sang that song, Joy to the World, but, like, I don't know if that's part of, part of my mix. It's like, can I just say, if you seek God and you persevere in seeking God, you will find joy. You will find joy. I know it sounds very simplistic, and I know life's not simple, but you will find joy. My encouragement, learning from the wise men. If we seek God, we will find joy. Now, we did a great series on joy earlier this year, and I'd really encourage you, uh, to, to, if you weren't here for that, to go and have a listen to it. It was really looking at all of the smart people that are doing lots of research and study uh, on, on joy. And, uh, and you know what they discovered, the scientists and the psychologists, and they all discovered all of these answers to finding joy that were what the Bible has been inviting the people of God into for centuries. Um, but that, if, if again, if, if joy is something that you feel like, I want to step more, I, wanna, I want that to be more of my journey, more of who I am, more of what my life is all about, then I'd really encourage you to have a, um, have a listen to that series. But, series, but, but if you've lost your joy, um, if, if this Christmas is, you know, I know it's busy, but if, it's, if somehow joy is not in the mix there, um, or it's just been a, you know, a tough year of, of um, a lot of stuff going down, and again, if there's, if there's worry, and, you know, or if there's like unresolved hurt, or if you've, you know, if you've turned away from God, like you need it. You need help, and you need a savior, and that is why Jesus was born. You know, He's here for us. We have a savior. That's what Christmas is all about. The angel said, "I bring you good news. 
of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For all people, not just, you might still think around, or maybe it's for those, those people that have got their act together. Well, none of us have got our acts together. We just, we just put on our cool shirts on Sundays and looks like it. So. But we're all just figuring out, doing life together. And, but this is the angel saying, it's like a good news, great joy for all people. It's for you, for me. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you've done it with or how long you've been doing it. It's just, it doesn't matter what your religious background is or isn't. It's just good news for all people. Jesus has come. A Savior has been born. He is the Lord. And He's he come to, to save us, to give us life. And not just life after this life but life this week. That is what Christmas is all about. So why don't we stand together as we finish here? We'll stand. And I know that, that all of us could do with a... Uh, we could all do with more joy, couldn't we? Yeah. I know you're a pretty, pretty joyful bunch, but... Yeah, there's... Um, some of you will be familiar with this, but there's a story in the, in the Bible about King David, which was before Jesus' time. But uh, he was over, mostly a good, a good king, but he really messed up at one point. And, uh, and one of the prophets came to him and, and said, like, hey, you've really, you've really messed up. This is not okay. And, uh, and he turned back to God. And he... He repented, and he wrote this quite a beautiful prayer of you know, and uh, and there's a line in this in Psalm 51 where he prays this. He said, "Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me." And we're just going to leave that up there for a little bit, and um, and I just want us to take a moment. Um. All we can do when we come to God is bring what we, what we are and who we are, what we've done, where we're up to, where we're at. It's all we can do. We just come. And, um, and God just welcomes us. And he says, like, I know, I know who you are. I know the challenges. I know the mistakes. I know the worries. I know the resentments. But But come and he embraces us he loves us he forgives us he says picks us up he dusts us off and he says let's go again I'm with you I'm for you I love you and just in this space now as we're standing and uh, what I would invite you to do is to just just have a think where your joy scale is where is there anything getting in the way and I'd encourage you just to bring it to God. Just in, the, in, in this, just in your, you know, in your thoughts or you know, maybe just under your breath. And then I would encourage you to pray this prayer. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So let's just take a couple of minutes to do that.
So God, we come to you with our, our worries. We come to you with our hurts. We come to you with our, our indifference. come to you with the things that are robbing us of our joy. And God, we ask, restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. God, I need a savior. I need to be saved. encourage every one of us just to, to, to be with me in this prayer because this is the big part Jesus save me Jesus save me set my feet on the rock of Jesus that is firm and solid and true and good 